0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we give you thanks for your goodness in the house of the Lord. We give you thanks, Lord, that you're able to lead us and speak to us words of life. We know that in John chapter 6, everyone... Turned and left when you said it's necessary to eat my flesh and drink my blood. For those words were too heavy for them. And you turned to the disciples and you asked, how about you? And they said, no, Lord, we are continuing to follow you because only you have words of life. Only you have the instruction that allows us to live. Father, we pray that this morning, this word that you have given me will expand to the nations and your people might know your heart and might come to know you and serve you the only one and true God let your word this morning be made flesh let it be a good seed that would bring up a harvest that would glorify your name Lord we'd rather do nothing Lord than to twist and to deviate from your word Lord the Bible says that those that our ungodly and unstable twist the scriptures to their own perdition. Father, we pray that your words would be a double edged sword and that it would penetrate the deepest part of our being, separating us from the soul, soulish thoughts, and the spirit. Because to think spiritually is life and peace. Give us your heart this morning, Lord, and allow your word not to return void. Allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and let it be the nutrition that you have said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And prosper your word in our lives, Lord, that many might see your glory upon us as we are transformed from glory to glory, even into your image, Lord. We give you thanks for being in the house of God today, Lord, and for the table that you have prepared. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I was, and I'm always with my antennas up, saying, Lord, it's a grave responsibility to bring your word to your people. Um, we see, search the scriptures out, and we see that men who did this uh, received the retaliation, and they received the effects of people that did not want the word of God. They would tell the prophets, prophesy to us beautiful things, prophesy to us the things of a bright future. And the truth of the matter is that the only purpose that I serve is to speak like that, like that speaker up there. It's a speaker and it's only speaking what's coming out of my mouth. My only purpose to be up here is to speak the word of the Lord. And as I was meditating and seeking the face of the Lord, um, the Lord began to pour out an incredible amount of good stuff that I acknowledge that comes from him. And it starts out with this understanding that when people want to understand the characteristics of God, they want to know what is approved of God as they come towards Him and approach Him, they want to know what does God give a thumbs up to and what does God give a thumbs down to? It's almost like taking a course in college where you, you sign up and you want to know how the teacher grades. Because you want to line up with a teacher. Or going to court and find out how a judge decides matters. We ask ourselves this morning, what is God like? What is it in his very essence that he approves or disapproves? And then we start experiencing his selection process. We we get the Bible, for example. And and if we were to just open up the Bible randomly. We we find ourselves in the book of Judges, chapter 7. And we see there that there's an incident with the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, and he's telling a young man named Gideon, I want you to select for me uh, a team. I'm I'm putting my team together, and this is who I want on my team. I don't know if you've ever been part of a draft, but how a coach picks his players will determine what his game plan is. And basically, if if he's a coach that wants to uh, establish a running team. He'll pick uh, line, uh, run, running backs and fullbacks, and, uh, full and the, the, the whole team will surround people that can block quickly so they could run. If he's a quarterback a coach, a passing coach, he'll select members on his team according to his dynamic. But we find there in chapter 7 of Judges, verse 6, we see that God is telling Gideon these words, and really powerful words. And the numbers of those who lapped and put their hand to their mouth was 300. But the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink the water. There were some of them that were, were drinking out of their hand. And some of them were sticking their head in the water. In verse 7 it says, The Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who licked, lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others people go, every man to his, his own place. A, what an incredible selection process here. It starts out with 32,000 people. And the Lord starts bringing the team down to those that have his heart. And with the instruction for the others to go home. I don't want people that are sticking their head in the water to be on my team. And this has significance as we start looking further into it. If you read with me verse 4, it's the instruction of the Lord there in the same chapter. um, A couple verses before, the Lord said, it was the Lord. The Lord was leading his troops and he told Gideon, The men are still too many. Bring them down to the water. I will test them there for you. I want you to understand that this is a process, you can say with me, of elimination. It's a process of elimination. God is dwindling down the numbers because God doesn't want anybody on his team, listen, that doesn't reflect his character. He doesn't want anybody on his team that doesn't reflect his character and who he is. You call yourself a Christian, but you randomly follow God, you're pretty much just following yourself, your own game plan. And he says, I'll test them there for you. I'll make them approve. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, when God says, this one shall go with you, the same shall go. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. And it's, it's a, a really awesome thing to know that we serve a living God. We're not serving a religious format. Men are so accustomed to following ways of religion, but God truly knows how to draw a line and says, you know something? You have not been found approved. You've been put on the balance and and you've been found wanting. This is not Christianity. This is not my team. This is not my people. And he's done that the whole time. He says, you're going to uh, I'll decide for you who goes and who stays. And verse 5 he says, So he brought the men down to the water, and, and say with me, The Lord said, because it's him, it's his church, it's his people, it's his kingdom. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps up the water with his tongue as a dog laps it, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who bows down on his knees to drink. And as we, we see this process, We see that God is seeking who is going to be part of his team. And if you want to go a little bit further, you'll notice that those 300 men that took the water up with their hands and were watching out for their brethren. You know, some of the animals that can draw near to one of these ponds, they just stick their head in in the water and they don't look around. They're not being attentive. But God wanted those that had the capacity to, to look around and say with me, watch for his brother. brother. He is never going to allow anybody to be on his team that is not caring about those that are around him. And I want to tell you, it goes a little bit farther than this as we realize the quality, attribute, and character that God is looking for is for a people who do not live for themselves but stand in the realm to guard and safe keep those that are around him. And we need to go there. We need to come to this understanding as we go to the television and we're defending the cause of the unborn, of adopted children that will be put on, you know, so people might ask, Pastor, why do you do that? This is just going to con- uh, create controversy. Listen, God has called his people to stand up for the cause of others. And it's not, I'm not homosexual. I'm not planning on adopting any kids with a homosexual couple. But I know that I need to care for someone outside of the realm of my existence. Sometimes people say, why do you travel so much? It was asked of me years ago, about 15 years. Way before I became a pastor, I was traveling. Way before I, I was doing ministry, I was going to Mexico every six months as a lawyer to establish the work of the Lord. And somebody asked me, why do you do that? I was even accused at the travel agency of having a lover in Merida. You must have a girlfriend in Merida. You go every six months. I said, yeah, she's beautiful. She's called the bride of Christ. And I do have a love affair with the kingdom of God. And so we, they asked me, why do you go to Mexico? I said, because there are sons and daughters. There's brothers of the faith. And they need me to be there. I'm not going there for me. There's nothing to see in Merida a hundred times in ten years. I would pick other destination spots, but I was paying my own way with my own money because the Spirit of the Lord had come upon me, and now it wasn't about me. It was about others, and I'm sure if I would have been there that day with Gideon, the Lord would have made me one of the 300. I'm, I'm positive. I'm confident of this because I see the heart of God Caring for those who care for others. And I realize that God is looking for those that do not look for their own ways. And they're not caring about their own issues. And they're not concerned with their own agenda. They're seeking out the interest to care for those that cannot care for themselves. And I'm reminded about those that are outside that take every moment only to care about their career. They only care about, you know, furthering their agenda. But if we're going to say something today, we're going to get into what's the DNA of a world-changing brother. If you're in the family of God, God would have, uh, his, He's taken residence upon you. You're not living for yourself. You're not living for your family. You don't have a selfish interest in your motivations. And so we see that everyone who has this DNA and calling, who's part of God's team, will be like Moses. It says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, you see it again. He's walking there after 40 years of growing up in Egypt, of concerned himself with the ways of the world. And it came to pass that when he grew up, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. We need to consume ourselves with the spirit of God. Because when it's not about me, I'm not participating. When it's not about me, I won't go there. I don't need to be there. And he looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian being beating his Hebrew brother. And you know what happens next. He goes to defend him. And the Bible says he preferred to suffer with the people of Israel than to enjoy the riches of this world. In Acts chapter 7 verse 22, it says when he was 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit his brothers. Let's see how they're doing to help them, to care for them. And he says he saw one being treated unjustly, verse 24. He saw one being mistreated and he had defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking the Egyptian and killing him. Verse 25, he expected his brethren to understand that God was granting them deliverance by his hand for it was granted that they would... um, that they would understand, but they did not understand. Verse 25, they couldn't understand what his motivation was. And you know what? That was only the beginning of the deliverance because you start caring for your brother and the Lord will lead you to deliver six million of those that are in need and are in bondage and are captive. And that's what I'm asking today. Are you walking that path or is it all about you? And let me tell you something, just like God excluded those in the times of Gideon, he will exclude those who are making a love affair on their own in the kingdom of God. He won't let them participate. Even if they call themselves brothers, they're not acting like brothers. They serve only one interest and it's themselves. And so even as he was walking in that understanding... The next day, verse 26, suddenly it appeared to some of them who were fighting amongst themselves, and he urged them to make peace and to be reconciled. Men, you are brothers. Why do you abuse and wrong one another? This is my question for the church. Why is it that we don't serve one another in this place? We're coming here to serve ourselves. We're coming here just to, it's all about me. And we need to sit there and say, why is it that you take offense against one another? And what did these people respond Verse 28, no 27, whereupon the man who was abusing his brother pushed Moses aside saying, who made you the boss? Who made you have authority over us? Why are you speaking? You know something? People have left this church in droves for one reason. They've been asked, why do you not serve others? Why are you serving only yourselves? They'd rather be in a church where they get there whenever they want, however they want, do whatever they want, and they leave. And they serve no one but themselves. That's not the Spirit of God. They're not going to be on God's team. God forbid they join this church and call themselves Christians. That's not the character of Christ. That Spirit of God is one that is concerned about those that are around themselves. And so he says, who appointed you a leader? To call us on this. Verse 28, do you intend to slay me? You intend to kick me out of church? Yes. You intend me to get rid of me? Yes. When I see that you're here serving yourself, you don't belong here. You don't have the Spirit of Christ. God cannot take you to the further realms of His purpose in your life. And so at 29, it says Moses sought safety and he ran because he was accused and he ran to exile. He was an alien in Midian. And God dealt with him there and brought him back. He could have forgotten. He could have forgotten those jerks that were sitting there and saying, how is it that you are coming to boss us around? They didn't know that he was part of their deliverance from a selfish spirit. That God doesn't manifest himself to those that are continually in contention and dissension. God doesn't show up. God doesn't do anything with these type of people. And it starts from the beginning. We see the character of God in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, where he comes over to Cain to hold him responsible. He says, what have you done with your brother Abel? I've ignored him. I've separated him. I've killed him. Where is your brother? I don't know. He's not in my prayers. Where is your brother? I don't know. I didn't see him at church because I didn't look for him. I didn't call him. I didn't feel like going to church tonight. Because it's all about me, myself, and I, the satanic trinity, the diabolical trinity, me, myself, and I. If it doesn't serve my interest, my purpose, I'm, I, I'm not going to be involved. And listen to what the words that he says when God asks him, where is his brother? He says, I do not know. You know what that word "no" means? It means yada. I I do not yada with him. That means I'm not in intimate fellowship with my brother. I don't know what his concerns are. I don't know what his worries are. I, I don't ask him about where he's going or how he's come. Why should I concern myself with someone else that's not me? Am I my brother's keeper? That word keeper is the Hebrew word shamar, which means one who promotes another, one who protects the cause of another. When we go to Mexico and Nicaragua, we're not serving ourselves. When we go to Peru and Switzerland and and Spain, trust me, it's not vacation. Trust me, it's not a tourist event. Leaving a legacy, fighting the battles for these people on many nations' shores. And I want to tell you that there in verse 11 was the consequence that God told Cain, you are cursed. There's a curse upon you that causes there not to be anything to prosper you upon the earth. This is a a mighty thing. Sometimes we question why we should even listen to God. Why should we concern ourselves with someone else's affairs and cause? The compassion for someone else's need. Let me tell you something. The church is that place that carries the burden of God to the earth. We serve our city in this church. If we don't show up, we're like the politicians that say that they're senators and never show up to Congress to defend the cause of the laws that promote us as a people. They take that place only to call themselves senators, to call themselves those that are part of this elite membership. But they don't go to the halls of Congress to argue for the burdens of the, of, of the nation. And so we too here at church, we just come and we participate. We're not taking this stuff in serious. We love to call ourselves Christians. We love to call ourselves members of the church of God. We don't represent that church. So he says, now you are cursed. And verse 12 says, the land will not produce. The Where you work will no longer yield its strength. You will be disassociated. You won't be those that the, the presence of God and the favor of God falls upon. Because it's not a reality. You're asking, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And so 1 John 4.20 says, If a man says he loves God and he cannot carry to promote the burdens of his brother, he's a liar. He does not love his brother whom he's seen. How could he love God who he has not seen? If you do not show up, if you do not participate, if you're not connected, how is it that God is going to make you part of his kingdom? Like if you're going to have some type of, of, of um, membership that allows you to show up ever so frequently as you desire. Chapter 2, verse 9, 1 John says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but has no burden for any of his brother, he still walks in darkness. Calls himself a Christian, but he's no closer to Christ than he was before he got here. He's still in darkness until now. He says, he says he's in the light. He proclaims to be one of those in the household of God. He proclaims to be one of the Gideons. But he's just lapping with his head stuck in the water, caring only about his sustenance. And so we see that they're like the older brother of the prodigal son. Why are you celebrating this guy? In Luke 15, 25, he refused to come in. Verse 27, he says, your brother has come. Your father is celebrating that he's here. And the older brother got angry. Some of you are getting angry with this message right now, and I'm glad if it's the last message you hear so that you can repent and understand what true Christianity is. It's not seeking your own interests, your own uh, promotion. It's serving others. It's making yourself available for what is not your occasion so that God can see that from the heavens and truly prosper you. And he answered his father. He said, look, I've been faithful these many years. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never made it about me. You've never congratulated me. You've never made me happy. You've never let me throw a party with my own friends. Verse 30, he says, but when this, but when this, not my brother, when this, your son, that's how many of us have Christianity, that we're the sons of God, but none of my brothers. I serve no one but my family. When this, your son has come, who has devoured, he had all his, the resume, his brother, everything his brother had done wrong so he could justify not serving him who has devoured your livelihood, who's taken off with harlots. This is who you are celebrating. And the father said to him, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. There's an inheritance for you. And some of us are only concerned in our inheritance for ourselves. As I read First Samuel 30, verse 22, sometimes we don't know how to pinpoint a wicked man, but a wicked man is him who only cares about himself. Go ahead and put that down. Wickedness is selfishness. Wickedness is only cared about your schedule, about your agenda. Wickedness are those that are walking in their own self-seeking venture. The Bible says that that is where all the demons are. Those that are selfish in their ambition. Self-seeking in their their prompt. 1 Samuel 30 verse 22. He says, when all the wicked, say with me, "worthless." worthless. When all these wicked and worthless men who went with David, they're here because they they came to David and they said to David, because the others did not go with us, we will not give them any of the rewards that we have recovered except for every man's wife and child, that they might lead them away and depart. Listen to me. They were saying, we Our children, our wives, that's what we're concerned about. We're not concerned about the church. We want to pay our mortgages. We could care less if there's money to pay rent. We haven't paid tithes in years. We don't participate with offerings. We had an offering to pick up $5,000 for the youth equipment. $1,500 came in, about 20%. And that's how it usually is. It's only 20% of the church that participates. 80% of the church is is just flying by, picking up the crumbs as they can and moving along their merry way. Their children come, they come here, they they participate, but they never front the responsibility. And that's why the Lord comes. and, And look what David says. This is very powerful. In verse 23, the heart of God. This guy is a man after God's own heart. David says, you shall not do like this. And he calls them my brethren. You shall not do this with what the Lord has blessed you with, who preserved you in battle and delivered your hand when you were fighting out there. It's God. And he's calling their attention. And in verse 24, he says, Who would even dare to listen to you? Who will listen to you in this matter? But as his part is who goes to the battle, so shall be the part of those who stay behind. They shall share alike. We're all to be on the same mode. When we're changing the world, when we go to Peru, when we go to these places, the reward is yours also. You guys are part of the rewards of what's taking place as as you stay. And David didn't only do this. He said, in verse 25, he made it a sta- an ordinance that day. From that day to this, he made a statue in an ordinance that those who went and those who stayed behind would share in the spoil of the battles that they had received. And to the elders that were in the surrounding cities, he wrote in verse 26, and he sent a part of the spoil to the elders of Judah who were too old to go. Saying, here's a gift for you. That we return from the battles that belong to the enemies of our Lord. And so, many times we don't want to hear this, but we need to hear this. Isaiah 3 verse 10 says, tell the righteous, it will go well with you. If you have an upright heart, if you're serving your brother, if you're like Moses, if you're like Gideon's 300, if you're like David, Isaiah was told by God, say to the righteous, you will yield the strength of the land. You will be rewarded for your attitudes. You shall eat of the fruit of caring for someone that is not you. I love the rewards of my God in heaven. Amen. When we do marriage counseling in Miami and we sit with hundreds of couples And remembering that I would make $250 an hour for sitting down with people with legal problems. Now my reward comes from the Lord. Not thinking of money. I know there's a God in heaven that does righteousness. Who sees what I'm doing. And will cause it to rain. But verse 11, very rightly spoken. And we don't like to hear these words. Woe to the wicked. It shall be ill with him. For the rewards of his hands shall come back to him. That's what we don't want to hear in our churches nowadays. We don't want to hear that we're going to receive and our wells are going to dry up and it's not going to rain in our land. Because there's a God in heaven who witnesses your hearts and your selfishness. Without exception, throughout the Bible, we see the sons of God raising up, caring for their brothers. So much so that Paul says in Romans fourteen seven, none of us lives to ourselves. None of us lives to himself. Not one of us that are in Christ are living for what we are receiving. Not one of us. I'm reminded of Genesis 14, 14. Lot had already separated from Abraham. He had already gone his own ways into Sodom. He's already gone into his own pleasures in the nearby cities. But when Abraham heard that his brother, say with me brother, was taken captive, he took together 318 men that were born in his house, and they went in pursuit to deliver Lot out of bondage. Are you fighting for your brothers? Are you fighting for your wives, for your children, for your daughters? This is the sign of those who become world-changing brothers. In 1 John 3:14 it says, "We know that we've passed from death to life by this fact, we love other people." He who does not love others abides in spiritual death. We know we have crossed from one kingdom to another. I used to not care about anybody. I used to not care about Nicaraguans or Venezuelans or Ecuadorians or Peruvians. But the Spirit of God in me causes me to serve a nation that is not my own. A tongue I do not understand in Germany. We've translated our book into German and into Portuguese. Serving the other nations that they might come to the Lord. And this is the heart of God. It's not my heart. It's the Spirit of God. In verse 15, he says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And as you know, that no murderer will receive and abide in the inner uh, eternal dwellings. He's not going to abide there. He's not going to live there. By this, we come to know and to understand that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for others. In verse 16, Isn't this what Jesus did for us? So why are we calling ourselves Christians when we're not doing this for others? We know love because he laid down life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Make ourselves available to others. In verse 17, but if anyone sees and anyone has the goods of this world, resources, the abilities, to see his brother and fellow brother is in need and yet closes his heart of compassion, how can the love of God live and remain in him? Little children, verse 18, let us not love only in theory or in speech, but in deed. Let's practice truth. Verse 19, by this we shall come to know that we are in the truth and that his presence abides in our hearts. Shall assure our hearts before him that we are in his presence. Chapter 3, verse 12, First John says, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one. He was motivated by the devil's influence. He was, in, he was of the wicked one. He was walking in, the, in his own stead. Why did he murder his brother? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So I, Many have cut their relationships off with us because they're concerned and consumed by self. They serve only themselves, the Bible says. Let's concern ourselves with those that go around calling themselves Christians. In 1 Corinthians 5.11, it says, If any man calls himself a brother, there are those that, that go around taking up the name of Christ. And you say, where do they serve? No one. Who do they serve? Themselves. Who are they concerned about? Only themselves. That's a circle. I have written to you not to keep company with anyone, say with this, named a brother. Do not even eat with such a one. There are a lot of so-called Christians. Their agenda throughout the year shows that they're consumed with self. They have no time for others. They have no opportunities for others. And I'm saying, Lord, I, I want to move in that manner that, that from the heavens God is looking down, seeing. And he's, he's drawing a line. He's saying, look, those that were drinking, watching out for their brothers, those are the ones I'm going to prosper. Those are who are the ones I want on my team. There was 33,000. God is not into numbers. He's able to deliver with a few or with many. And in these days, we know that the overwhelming majority of Christians are only serving themselves. We have this from the largest churches in America, in Willow Creek, Chicago. From the church Willow Creek, the pastor Bill Hybels, after a 20-year experiment, giving the Christians lattes and basketball courts and, and picnics and outings and, and, and all these sorts of stuff. He had to write a letter. He says, I was wrong. These people are only concerned by serving themselves. They're only consumed with doing what, what causes their bottom line to increase. And so the Bible says that this is not the way it should be. 2 Thessalonians 3.6 says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you to keep away from all brothers who are doing nothing and do not live according to what we have taught. And teach people for 10 years, and when they turn around, all they care about is themselves. And that same thing happened to Paul. We command you, brethren, in the name of, he's speaking in the name of Jesus Christ, that you withdraw, pick up any ties with a brother who walks out of order and not according to what we have taught, according to what you have received from us. These verses we haven't seen in the Bible for a long time. Second Thessalonians 3:14, just in case someone didn't catch it, he says it again. If anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person. Note the selfish person. Note the person that has no company uh, with with the work of the Lord. Do not keep company with him. Oh, God doesn't believe in division. No, my friend, these people are being marked out as non-Christians. They're being marked out as people that do not have the spirit of God. And so that they should take notice that they're not walking like God wants them to walk. In verse 15 there, it says that, that make sure that he understands... That he's not to be regarded as an enemy, but that he's beginning to, uh, n- to drift from the mark. Warn him as a brother. Make sure that, that he knows that that's not the spirit of God that, that he's following. And you ask God, Lord, this morning, I want to test to see if I'm still in the faith like Paul did to the Corinthians. Examine yourselves. Be part of a team. God, God wants the Bible says one could do it can move a thousand, two can move ten thousand. If God is going to raise up a family of sons of God, is because we are concerned with the best interest. This thing of I do not know, I do not yada with my brother. I don't know what he's going through. I don't know what is happening in his life. Am I my brother's keeper? And then that's why the consequences of God standing. Uh, resisting the proud, giving grace to the humble. Let's stand up this morning and our meditation on the Word of God should cause there to be conviction if the Holy Spirit, if you haven't hardened your heart towards the the Spirit of God. What, What are your underlying motives of participation? Who are you serving? Who are you a part of? Are you part of the team? God has huge, huge, victories that he wants to bring into our midst i'm surprised i'm very surprised that 30,000 men showed up i don't know what that would look like what is that like the miami arena or something 30,000 and the lord says i'll just take the first row there i'll take 300 of men who are according to the heart of god who are making themselves available who who are on god's team who are not serving themselves and their families and their ways above the ways of God. Let asked ask the worship team to come forward here if we didn't lose any. But let's, let, us, let us press into these matters. This is a good word. These are the words we want to hear on this side of eternity, not on the other side of eternity. I don't want to hear this when I get before the Lord. I want to hear that I'm one of the 300. I'm one of those that God has chosen. And I'm not living. I've told some people in past years, if I was doing my own thing, I would probably walk with and consent with the liar and the deceiver and the hypocrite. If I was doing my own thing, I would probably not have issues with the double-minded and the lukewarm. But Jesus says he throws them up out of his mouth. He vomits them. He vomits the lukewarm. I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so we are the body of Christ. We cannot assimilate anyone who is lukewarm in this place. Let the lukewarm people go out to the world and make a decision they want to be hot. Let them be without the Lord for a season. Let them be without the word of God. Let them be surrounded by by foolish people. And let us press in to more of this stuff. And as the Lord began to speak to me that word, as I put it together, I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you because the Spirit of God still cries out with the passion and desire to have a people that will reflect his character and his glory. and Take up a cause that is not their own. And then Bible says that God begins to allow the earth to yield forth its strength. You're going to see the favor of God in everything you do. As we sing this song, let's bow our heads and gather our thoughts.